The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. Uh, me, Adam McGee. So we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey, Adam, how's it going? What do you want to talk about today? It's February 8th at 7.40 Central Time. I keep it, you know, regional for yeah, most of same. our listeners. Uh, Neither of us are in and, the Central Time Zone, but that's how I ride too. And I'm just, you know, I'm really just fired up for baseball to arrive on February 13th. Uh, pitchers that are playing in the World Baseball Classic will report to spring training on Thursday, February 16th. Position players participating in the World Baseball Classic will report to spring training February 16th. Uh, other pitchers for the Brewers not participating in the World Baseball Classic will report. And then February 21st, everybody is at spring training for the Milwaukee Brewers. And this is our spring training of sorts. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. This is this is kind of our last truly dead episode because by the time we record, we'll probably be a little bit later next week. We'll be right around the time that people are starting to report. So the season will be coming into focus. And I'm guessing more tidbits of news, more quotes from players, all of that kind of stuff will start to roll out. And our, our more regular kind of day-to-day, week-to-week feeling of Brewers coverage will resume. So, I we're nearly there, and you made it sound like we don't have a plan for this episode, and we do. We've got things to talk about. We have such a good plan, the best plan, the, one of the this most amazing plans anyone has ever seen. Uh, we'll, we'll start uh, on, uh, we'll go historical first, not what you're thinking, um, but and then, you know, we'll proceed with other things that we had just talked about, actually, you know, in our production meeting about a week ago. Um, first of all, talking about things uh, for the upcoming season, um, Adam, not the promo schedule, but uh, a brewer will be honored during the 2022 season. Uh, one of the pitching greats within the organization, Ben Sheets, uh, is going to join the Brewers Walk of Fame. He will be the 22nd player honored. Uh, 
And uh, Ben Sheets, very deserving. Obviously, this predates our time as fans, but I remember Ben Sheets as a guy that at his best was absolutely electric. Uh, he played in Milwaukee for eight seasons, I believe, if I'm looking at that correctly. Uh, 1,428 innings, compiling a 3.72 ERA. Was an all-star in 2001 and 2004, 2007 and 2008 uh the 2004 season his best a 270 era across 237 innings finished eighth in national league uh cy young award voting i think that's that was a discussion uh in our discord about that was uh a a little low in in the voting she should have been much higher in that um voting i think that was a year that i've got to pull up here that roger clemens won uh, Ben Sheets was definitely sold short by finishing eighth. Randy Johnson definitely should have won the award that year. Um, but nevertheless, you know, uh, awards voting doesn't always shake out the right way. But Ben Sheets, a guy that career was probably cut a little short due to injuries. Um, he, I think he missed the 2009 season. He missed the 2011 season. Had uh, comeback attempts with Oakland in 2010 and Atlanta in 2012, but a guy who is, you know, a brewer through and through in terms of the prime of his career and the bulk of his career and a guy that really deserves to be honored. Also, as we're um, talking about the world baseball classic and uh, representing your country in an international uh, competition, Ben Sheets was on the U S national team for the 2000 summer Olympics in Sydney pitched 22 innings, struck out 11 batters with just one walk, and uh, pitched in the gold medal game. Uh, I think it says here in his Wikipedia he allowed one runner uh, to reach uh, second base the entire game, struck out five in a 4 nothing complete game shutout. So Ben Sheets, uh, one of those workhorse-type pitchers, and maybe during an era where – Arm care wasn't necessarily the the first thought when guys were going out to the mound. So Ben Sheets, uh, honored by being uh, added to the Milwaukee Walk of Fame later this season. I don't think a date has been set yet for that. But uh, as we're going back and learning about Brewers history via 2018, Ben Sheets, definitely another guy worthy of discussion. And cool that he's getting this honor, and we'll look forward to that this season. Yeah, it's it's probably reflective too of the kind of the age and the years watching um the Brewers of a lot of the people we we talk to regularly about the team, a lot of the people who listen to the podcast. But whenever, whether it's in Discord or if we're on playback and things devolve into guys sitting around just naming baseball players, uh, Ben Sheets has always been one that's come up, and it really feels like some of the greatest fondness is held for from Brewers fans. Um. Yeah, this is something that I guess coming into the Brewers, I was aware that they were very active on doing, and I appreciate they do. It's something I cry out regularly about the book's failure to honor um, their past, and not everyone has to be, you know, the top end. Not everyone has to be the 1982 team, Andrew, um, but there, there's room to really tell the full story of your franchise and to honor the legacies of players that meant a lot at different eras throughout your history. Um, and it certainly seems like Ben Sheets, some of that, like that eight place in uh, NL Cy Young voting. There's times where I guess the Brewers of it all in that era of Brewers is something that kind of hurt his overall place in the game. But I think it's important that within the larger franchise history, that's not the case. That's so fun to fun to see him um, be honored later in the season. From what I know. The thing that jumps out in my head that I believe we had maybe two occasions where guys really got kind of motoring last season and Ben Sheets name would come into the mix is that he has the the franchise record for most strikeouts in a game, which is at 18 against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, that's that's something that kind of sticks out in my head. And I believe that's pretty indicative of the kind of pitcher he was that he was a strikeout king. Um, but yeah, this is. This is something that from anything I've heard from people who are much more well-versed in Brewers history in the Ben Sheets era, 
seems to be very well deserved. And from my vantage point, I can't see anything to argue otherwise. So fun news, exciting news. Uh, shall we go to less fun news, Adam? <laughs> when you put it like that, I don't know if I want to, but I guess so. Uh, this is something I'm unqualified to talk about, um, but something that came up, I, I think, you know, back before we just had limitless options to talk about uh, on the podcast. But uh, if you watch Brewers games, you know that those games are aired on Bally Sports uh, and things aren't going so great for Bally Sports right now, Adam. So via a few different news sources and and in this case uh, i'm looking at fans fan graphs but diamond sports group the company that owns valley sports and is uh, thus the rights holders to 14 local broadcasts also uh has minority stakes into team-owned broadcasts i think that's the cubs and the yankees on marquee sports and the yes network if i'm remembering that correctly is headed towards bankruptcy uh Via Bloomberg, the actual bankruptcy declaration is merely a formality. The firm will reportedly skip an interest payment due in February, triggering a restructuring that will wipe out the firm's existing equity and convert all but the most senior debt into equity stakes in the new company, leaving its current creditors in charge. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but it seems like when you're hemorrhaging money and then you can't pay your creditors, that is a bad thing. Uh, like I said, not qualified, not an expert. And I guess the question is, what does this mean for the teams that rely on these television deals as a significant source of revenue? Uh, According to this article as well, bankruptcy will give them the option to end or renegotiate rights contracts, which could result in major league teams not getting broadcast money this year. Uh, per the Fangraphs article, they say that, that this uh, author, Ben Clemens, finds that to be unlikely, um, basically, because why are you going to sell the network like your asset uh providing sports broadcast, not having sports broadcast, is it going to be something that's very enticing uh, to be sold? Uh, but that option of renegotiating deals or not making payments is definitely something that is going to affect the sport one way or another, whether it really blows up what um, baseball rights contracts look like remains to be seen uh i think according to this article the brewers latest deal was negotiated in 2021 um so it would seem to have some time left on it if that is the case those terms have not been reported again uh according to this article so not so great news in the corporate suit uh baseball uh rights holders world uh, I don't really know what to make of this, but it's not good. It could be good. It could end up in a much, much better place. But your point stands because at the moment it's creating uncertainty and uncertainty is not a good thing in sports. And I think this kind of uncertainty and uncertainty around where, where this revenue stream in particular is going to come from probably skews the balance of power even more in a direction of franchises that are not like the Milwaukee Brewers, um, let's say the Cincinnati Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates to go with some division mates. This is one where I'm trying to think of bigger, bigger market teams who are under Bally too, but there are markets where this could happen and it could lead to a great windfall. And everyone's happy. Oh, except Bali, of course. Um, there are then markets where this could be more of a struggle. Milwaukee is an interesting market, to say the least. Of course, Bali, this will affect not just the brewers, but the books. And one cautionary element of this is, for anyone who hasn't been familiar I think you just have to look to Denver and the Nuggets in particular and the complications of their TV deal with altitude in recent years where 
they've had one of the best teams they have ever had. They've had a back-to-back MVP and essentially people within the state have not been able to watch their team for multiple years. That seems I've watched more bad. Nuggets games than uh, Denver residents that aren't in the building. That's That seems really bad. Uh, the complication from Milwaukee, as I understand it, and has been told to me many times over the years, really across different sports, is the kind of the bleed over areas and the fact that it is, uh, I guess, almost landlocked by other major league markets. So the Cubs bleed over and any effect of that deal and where local restrictions and blackouts kick in. I think the same could be said applying to the Twins. So I don't know if Milwaukee is best positioned to come out of this in a good place, even though the Brewers would seem to have a relatively strong market and good interest within the local market. Certainly on the book side of things, things couldn't be much stronger. But like what this leads to in terms of does it, does it lead to MLB taking back these rights and this going is to something much more centralized that reduces a lot of the problems? Um, there has been long talk of streamers wanting to really kind of buy in. We know Apple have been dipping their toe in the baseball sphere um, with, with their, their game of the week. It is a game of the week, right? And, they're, um, and they've been dipping their toes into centralized uh, with MLS. broadcasting, yeah. And then you've got global rights, which that one probably wouldn't be as straightforward in buying mid-contract cycle, but a company like that, whether it's Apple, Amazon, even Netflix recently have been looking at ways to pick up sports. And I think with the state of streaming, all of those companies are really feeling the crunch now more than ever. They're essentially what cable companies were, and they need sports. They need sports customers to be able to reduce churn and avoid people just backing off when they inevitably continue to up prices and up prices and up prices sports is kind of the golden ticket on that front this could be a big opportunity to pick up a lot of sports content mlb nba nhl too right a lot of nhl and bali in in plenty of major markets so it's interesting it could be something that leads to a better experience overall We'll see. Uh, what I will say is, in terms of actual local broadcast, Bally Sports Wisconsin's broadcasts are truly fantastic. Uh, Books and Brewers. I think Brewers down in particular, there isn't really an aspect of Brewers broadcasts that I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not into that. I, I think they do a really, really great job and the mix of personnel is, is top notch. So obviously that would be some uncertainty that would come into the fold too. We'll we'll see how it plays out. Um, my one thing would be there is room for this to be a positive, but it's complicated. And in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin in particular, it could be more complicated than a lot of other markets. My worry was more around the timing and what it means for mm-hmm. this season. Like I don't think it affected their offseason spending to because, to my knowledge, this wasn't something that no. was necessarily top top of mind until it broke. But will it impact their willingness, say they're in contention around the trade deadline, to take on payroll via trade in the middle of the season? That's what we don't know. Well, yeah, and it depends how long this is going to linger on and before like true clarity comes to the fore and there's a sense of stability. Like That's the thing with these regional deals before the company's going bankrupt. It gives something that these teams can bank on. And it's the entire structure that, big four American sports are built on is, oh, your new TV deals come in, more money's come in, and we know from date X to date Y, this is the state of the sport. So having that kind of pulled out from under you mid-cycle is definitely something that could be a little bit concerning. I believe, I feel like this was talked about in their Discord, and I can't even remember which team now, but there has been an owner or two who have revealed, you know, maybe if they were considering buying the team, they have backed off for the moment because mm. this is this is going to hurt value. So that that's maybe a better indication too. I I guess one part of the upside of that is whether people saw the writing on the wall. I don't think the the blow up was expected to be quite as explosive as it has been and sudden as it has been. So maybe there hasn't been quite as much time for multiple teams to 
be preparing for this rainy day. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. We'll find out when we see just how speedy and how successful a resolution would look like. Uh, if I'm being an optimist, I think that this becoming an opportunity to change the way that baseball in particular is available mm -hmm. to people would be something that's really positive because we live in an era where people are going away from cable. I've got my apps that I watch things on and that's all I have. I don't have cable. And if I live in Milwaukee and that means I have MLB.TV, I can't watch the Brewers. I have to buy the Bally add-on or whatever it is. And that just that type of limitation does not mesh with how people consume sports nowadays. So hopefully that whatever comes next is also a reduction in those blackouts and that fans in whatever market that supports whatever team, especially as someone, for an example, like me in North Carolina, why can't I watch a Washington Nationals game on MLB.TV? If uh, it's, it's because obviously my direct TV patch, package, I get massing. But like that, that seems to be ridiculous to me because I'm like I, originally, I guess it's protecting the TV rights deals. But the, the thought originally, I guess, back in the day was that it was going to be like something to the effect of why you can't get the 3 p.m. game on TV in England. And it's like, go, go and support your local club kind of a thing. Sure. But I'm four and a half hours from Washington. So it's like in 2023, these things just seem really ridiculous. So hopefully something is, that, is, even, is that is that your closest team? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I four and a half hours to Washington, five and a half hours to Atlanta. Like, OK, I, so it's, it's, it's I've, I've got I've got a. Uh, I'm a man without a country, uh, so to speak. Uh, and now my country is Milwaukee. Um, and I look forward to seeing a game there. And I appreciate that I can, you know, log into my TV and watch a Brewers game, uh, whatever I want. But some people do not have that luxury. Uh, yeah, again, unqualified to talk about TV rights and things of that nature. You're much well-versed in that, Adam. Thanks to your day job. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, where shall we go to next? Um, I think it would only be right for us to talk prospect rankings. I think it's the only place we can go, Andrew. We've we've been on a run of a few weeks. There is some more to talk about. Um, there is some individual stuff, but maybe let's start with the the slightly more macro view. Yeah, absolutely. And 
as we discussed last week, one of my favorite prospect rankers uh, for the last decade or more, I guess now, is Keith Law. And Keith Law, the athletic, has again uh, incrementally released his prospect content, starting with his top 100, which we discussed last week. And now he's gotten into the overall organizational rankings in terms of the top 30 farm systems in baseball. There are 30 30 teams, Adam. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Maybe two more in the future, but that's a conversation for a later date. Um, And then he also released his top 20 rankings for each organization. But we'll start with the organizational rankings themselves. And the Brewers come in at 8th in uh MLB's or in his rankings of the organizations overall. And at first glance, uh looking at some of the MLB ready talent, the high ceiling talent of a guy like Jackson Chorio, uh some of the recent draft picks that seem to be like high or low ceiling, high floor, but like guys you can bet on being MLB regulars or at least contributors. That feels about right. The only thing really lacking in the system at this point is pitching depth overall. So I think where Keith came down on the organization as a whole, especially compared to some of the teams with uh, maybe a little more depth, uh, feels about right. Yeah, I mean, it's look, we were talking about it's nice to have individual prospects who are taught of very highly. That's something that We've kind of over the past few weeks, we've run through the the various different opinions. And on the whole, I think the point was, well, if that's the worst case scenario for that guy, or if that's the worst view someone has of them at present, is probably a better way of putting it. Um, we'll take that. That's exciting. I also think being top ten, um being even a little bit better than that and possibly in a place where, you know, maybe the brewers could work towards pushing top five. This is interesting to me in coming in because of all the frustration that I have personally with I think many ways how the brewers are run and operated the reality for them to be really successful the thing you've got to nail to make all of that irrelevant is your system it's got to be really really strong you've got to have it that it works like clockwork it fills in all the gaps and I know it has been something that the brewers have been having some meaningful success with in recent years, particularly in the pitching department, that goes without saying. Um, but even as recently as when we started this, like last year, that there was a little bit more concern about where the state of the Brewers farm system was. It seems like a few things that probably needed to pan out in a positive direction are currently doing so. Um, some of the pitching depth has been replenished. And we'll see. We'll see from there. I think it's a big year, particularly on that pitching side. Someone like Ethan Small, for example, is he even like a major league reliever that you're going to be able to rely on for years to come? I think we're going to have to find that out this year. But eight overall, I mean, that's that's something, again, to feel good about, to be excited about. And I think if you're a Brewers fan, the reality is you know the limitations of the spending. So you are going to have to develop a team that can be a perennial contender. And right now you're in a spot where, yeah, you can be competitive and maybe it goes your way and you get into that kind of position. This kind of a ranking gives you a base though, to keep that going, if not even go better in the next kind of decade plus. So a good place to be. And I, I think reassuring as much as anything to see the Brewers being thought of in this kind of territory, because if they're middle of the pack to lower the pack in this kind of ranking, they're in big trouble because we know they're middle to lower the pack in the other departments too. One of the credits to scouting in the front office that Keith points out to in his capsule here is that it's they've done this building during a window where they never drafted uh, better than 15th in the draft. And so it's not like you're losing 100 games every year and getting a, a top three draft pick and just uh, getting a crack at the, the best player in the draft or getting to be strategic with your pool money they're doing it drafting in the middle or towards later portions of the draft um i want to talk about i guess some some guys that we didn't talk about much on previous episodes that come towards the middle of the rankings but um the guy that i'm most excited to see this year is jake jacob mizorowski 
um, who was uh, a draft pick number 63 overall last year. We talked about him at the time, six foot seven and a guy that can uh, touch triple digits with the fastball um, pitched at Crowder college, which I believe um, is the same school that Aaron Ashby went to. Uh, so a nice little connection there, but pretty much profiles as the guy that we've said, Matt Arnold <laughs> seems to just really love to take a chance on when you've got uh, that kind of stuff that Keith says, you know, projects you as either somebody that has the potential to reach the top of a rotation or become a high leverage reliever is really exciting. Fastball slider guy right now. We'll see if he develops a third pitch and cleans up his delivery, but uh, he's a guy that I'm really excited to see what happens this year. He pitched mostly in instructs after being drafted and I think had a like uh, an inning in Carolina before uh, the end of the season. So I would expect him to be in Carolina to start the year. And I would really love to sit behind home plate and, and see what that fastball slider combo looks like in person. So very excited to see him seems to be a a high upside uh, guy, Uh, obviously with any kind of pitching prospect, especially one with uh, um, that kind of velocity is exciting, but also risky, but, very much looking forward to seeing what Mizorowski does this year. Any, did any prospects uh, catch your eye as someone that you're you're really looking to see what 2023 is for them? The only, only other guy that is really on top of my, my mind is uh, Robert Gasser, just because of, um, you know, he's he's the, the probably the, what's the word I'm looking for? He was the, the big prize in the hater trade. Obviously, Ruiz being used to get William Contreras <laughs> now makes that look a little different. But Gasser is the guy that, you know, especially when that trade was made, uh, adding depth to a pool of talent that didn't have a ton of pitching depth and him looking to be a guy that will be in the rotation or potentially, you know, in the bullpen if they work him in slowly this year. Um, Gasser, a guy that uh, maybe I don't know that it's necessarily essential that he uh, comes up in 2023, but age 24 uh, season uh, should be in AAA to start the year. Definitely a possibility. Uh, one, of the, one of the guys who jumped out to me, just because I know there is quite a bit of intrigue and excitement, not in any kind of surefire, sure thing way, um, but some intrigue about what this year will bring. Someone who's currently on the 40, man, I believe, Abner Uribe. Um, him missing out on this as an utters of note was was something that I I did pick up on. Um, basically the, the notes on that being yes, he throws gas, uh, one hundred one miles per hour, ninety mile per hour slider, but strikes have almost always been a problem for him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like. Um, coming off a knee injury to what the kind of progression from here kind of the path that takes to Abner Uribe is something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, other than that, some of the, the names that stood out to me, a few international signings that I haven't particularly been dialed in on. Uh, Luis Lara, I think, being the highest ranked of those who wasn't really jumping off the page to me at any point before now. A 5'8", 155 pound outfielder. That's something that is interesting and that he's being ranked quite highly within the system. Um, switch it or he signed last January. I will keep a close eye on that one because just the, the measurements there have me intrigued that this is someone we're rating quite highly, but I haven't done a deep dive on him previously. So I guess that's something I need to do. You heard it here. First, Adam is biased against short people. Uh, I will not let this stand. Luis Lara, I hope you become a future MVP <laughs> candidate. I'm in his camp now too. Thank you for thank you for putting that in my mind. Now I will support is him. Is that uh, is that are you are you personally is that your vision of like the modern MLB outfielder? That's all I'm saying. I'm not uh no, of course not. Uh you know, second baseman maybe, but yeah. Uh you can do anything you put your mind to. That's that's uh and you know he's he's he projectability. He's gonna he's he gonna grow still. He's young. 
Yeah, yeah. It's not like me. I'm I'm five foot eight, 155 pounds, probably for the rest of my life. So there we go. Uh, anything else about uh, Keith Law's list or prospects, Adam, or should we go back into the time machine? I think we can go into the time machine. All right. I was trying to think of like a noise uh, th- that the time machine. We would, leave that kind of making. thing to, to Jordan Trask. If Jordan that's, was on, that, he would do the sound effect for us. No doubt. That's what I was going to say uh, without him and just doesn't feel feel right. But uh, last night, February 7th, we strapped in for a uh, an MLB playoff game, Adam. And I don't know if you know this. Those tend to take a while. But uh, game two between the Colorado Rockies and the Milwaukee Brewers with our friends on playback. Uh, we're going to be watching all the remaining games uh, from this playoff run. Uh, so if you see us talking about that on Twitter or in the Discord, join us for a playback. Uh, at a later date, we will make an announcement on uh, when we're going to watch game three of the series between the Colorado Rockies and the Milwaukee Brewers. Don't have that settled just yet. Uh, we're We're busy people. I know it, it seems like all I care about is Milwaukee Brewers, and that's largely true, but I do have to feed my family um, from time to time. Um, so game three, Adam, um, a game between Ulis Chassin, who we saw pitch in game 163 and turn in a brilliant performance, and Tyler Anderson, a guy that if you're watching baseball in 2023, you might know. Uh, pitched very well for the Los Angeles Dodgers last year and uh, is now signed to, to, I believe, a three-year deal with the Los Angeles Angels off the heels of that success. And both guys pitched incredibly well in this playoff game. Chassin throws five innings, three hits, no runs, three walks, three strikeouts, scattering base runners across those five innings. So it was uh, stressful from time to time with the base runners uh, clogging up the base pass. But overall, Chassin did nice work in limiting the Rockies to no runs. Um, in the fourth inning, the Brewers would finally get to Tyler Anderson, who also turned in a great performance. Hernan Perez, ground roll double with a deep left center, scores Mike Moustakas to make it one nothing Brewers in the fourth inning. Uh, Tyler Anderson goes six innings, allows four hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts uh one nothing in the fourth adam what did you take away from the beginning of this baseball game it seemed a lot like the brewers games that we watched in 2022 low scoring and uh just trying to get that big hit to get the uh to get the scoring started i think julius chassin was my uh my takeaway from the early part of the game pitch count got up to like 24 in the first and it looked pretty pretty scary and I was thinking, okay, how many innings are they going to get here before we see the bullpen come in? When, in fact, he he managed to stretch that out very, very well. I think, as as I said on playback last night, I think it, given the context as well, he went five innings, only three hits, allowed three walks. Kind of the performance, gritting it out in a massive game like that, where I think if... If we had been around doing Master Brewer leaderboard at the time, he would have got a beer for that because it it very much looked in doubt early on. And in this kind of setting, you want to get as many innings as you can out of your starter. And for him to end up going five and to go five scoreless, that sets you up to hand it over to the bullpen. And I think what we're quickly learning here is if this Brewers team could hand it over to the bullpen with the lead, good luck. Absolutely. And that's what they did. Um, And I'll get to another takeaway I have uh, when we get to a later point, because I think another another thing that if 2018 Adam and Andrew uh, were watching this series in real time, we would have been big fans of Mike Moustakas, who came up big with the walk off hit in game one, uh, doubled in that fourth inning before the Perez ground rule double, uh, which scored him. So a guy that came up in big situations and got the job done. Uh, after Chassin exited the game in the fifth, the Brewers would turn it over to Corey Knable, who struck out Carlos Gonzalez, got Trevor Story to pop out. Trevor Story in this series, woof, not looking good for him, and then struck out Gerardo Parra to get out of a scoreless inning. Uh, Joachim Soria in the seventh uh, allows a single to Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond steals... Uh, second, and then makes it to third on a throwing error by Eric Kratz. Uh, Soria responds by striking out Chris Iannetta, 
striking out my uh, Matt Holiday, and then Josh Hader comes on to pitch, who gets Charlie Blackman to line out to second base. I believe this was the point in the game, Adam. I don't know if I'm correct or not, but Chris Iannetta proceeded after that strikeout to snap his bat over his leg as if it were a mere branch. Is this your first exposure to a guy just being so enraged by his own performance that he would choose to break a piece of lumber across his body? And no, I definitely don't feel like it's the first time I've seen that. That doesn't feel like an entirely irregular occurrence. Definitely one of the more impressive instances of it. Um, I don't know. That's we we talked a little bit about it. <laughs> Do people regret that? You know, in the moment, sure it looks cool. Sure, it looked tough. Does it feel? Does it feel good? By the time you get back to the dugout, Andrew, I don't know. I somehow doubt it. But no, I've definitely seen that before. To echo your your sentiments on Moose, he's kind of the most impressive player beyond, obviously, Yelly at this point is kind of endlessly impressive. And even on a game like this, where it's not really kind of popping for him, just the ease with which he's getting on base is pretty remarkable. Uh, turns out, really good player. Brewers could do it that that version of him again. Um, Moustakis, though, is someone that I knew, and probably now that I think about it, my general awareness of him, like in a Twitter sense, everyone is tweeting about him, everyone is tweeting Moose, does probably date back to this exact time. Um, and possibly these two games, who knows, maybe it goes beyond this, and I can't remember, but... Um, I knew of him as someone who was an important member of this team, as someone who became a real kind of cult hero for a spell. And there is absolutely zero doubt as to how that came about when you watch these games. Moving on to the bottom of the seventh, a point in the game that uh, looked like a missed opportunity, and especially after the the, the stress and the uh, blown lead of game one that, had to lead to some uh, fireworks uh, late in the game. Uh, it looked like something that was going to be a missed opportunity, but to I think some of the people in the playback with the Brewers bullpen at this point, even the missed opportunities on offense were less frustrating because you just thought the bullpen was going to get it done. But Scott Oberg comes on to pitch for the Rockies. Hernan Perez with another double. Uh, Travis Shaw singles to put runners on first and third with no outs. Eric Kratz strikes out swinging. Jonathan Scope pinch hits for Josh Hader, strikes out swinging. Lorenzo Kane strikes out swinging. On comes Jeremy Jeffers, the guy who recorded a blown save in the first game of this series. Uh, what do you expect? Is it the dominant performance? Is it the performance that leaves you scratching your head? Uh, induces a ground out from DJ LeMahieu. Arenado singles to left, a line out from Carlos Gonzaga, Carlos Gonzalez rather, and then Trevor Story just waving at a ball in the dirt, strikes out to end the inning. Uh, Trevor Story, I don't want to, I don't want to hit a man when he's down. You know, he's injured going into the 2023 season for the Boston Red Sox, but whew, what, not not putting together competitive at bats. The bottom of the eighth, the Brewers would get the insurance runs they needed to feel good. Ryan Braun singles uh, after a Christian Yelich walk to put runners on the corners with no outs. Jesus Aguilar walks. Then the man of the hour that we just discussed, Mike Moustakis singles to score Christian Yelich. Uh, Braun to third, Arcia to second. Two nothing Brewers at that point. Uh, Hernan Perez would strike out swinging next. Uh, Travis Shaw would strike out looking, but then Eric Kratz would single to left field to score Ryan Braun and Orlando Arcia. Makes it 4 nothing. Brewers after the bottom of the eighth. Jeremy Jeffers would stay in the game uh, to finish things out. Gerardo Parra singles to get things started. And Ann Desmond strikeout looking. Uh, Ryan McMahon strikeout swinging. And then David Daw grounds out to second base. Brewers win game two, four to nothing. Mike Mustakas, Hernan Perez, Hulish Chassin, and the ever dominant bullpen, the heroes of this one. Shout out Eric Kratz. Couple of couple of clutch hits in the game seems to be someone who, um, shout out to Jordan Tresky, he can manufacture manufacture hits when when needed, 
Um, just finds a way to get it done, finds a way to advance runners, get runs home. So, yeah, again, I guess my takeaway at this point is that this series is a lot closer than I was led to believe. And I think after game one, one of the things that we talked about that I still feel is true is that the Brewers are like quite clearly and visibly better than the Rockies, it seems like. But they're not creating the kind of separation in a Brewers-esque fashion where this has been easy for them. So knowing what I knew going in, I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be kind of light and breezy, you know, just kind of a fun series of the like that I'm not familiar with. But it has been much, much closer to a brand of Brewers baseball um, and the, the stress and tension involved than I guess I was hoping for and maybe even somewhat expecting. Yeah, this was uh, a series, like I told you, I had no recollection of. Uh, I definitely watched the the series that will come up next a lot more closely just to root against the Los Angeles Dodgers because (laughs) despite the fact that I respect their ownership's willingness to spend a lot of money and go for it, uh, they are the Death Star. Even though they only have one Fraud World Series during this run, they are still the Death Star. And, you know... uh, you you pull for Brandon Woodruff to do really fun things against the Death Star. But I think that's uh, mostly what we've got for this episode, unless uh, unless you've got something on your mind. I mean, I'm excited for spring training. I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic, possibly more than anyone in the world because I've just Too really missed baseball. Yeah, I am. Uh, we've got the NBA trade deadline coming up on uh, Thursday. So, you know, keep keep your eyes peeled from any kind of reaction or previews or whatever it may be from the Eurostep uh, podcast network, all of our friends and colleagues over there. Uh, keep, keep your eyes open for if I pop up on MLB network for that world baseball classic uh, roster reveal show. I know that's what everybody's waiting for in Milwaukee this week. No talk about Jay Crowder. It's just how many more brewers are going to end up on world baseball classic rosters. We know about Abraham Toro. We know about Raddy Telez. We know about Luis Arias. We know about Devin Williams. Who else is going to make a roster? And, uh, you know, I'll be right here to provide you uh, solo content. I will not be doing that. I'm I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you will be right here. I will not for all of that across all elements of what. Who knows? Maybe a very busy few days for GSPN. You could be going solo. You could be drafting in. I don't know. Numak is your uh, your emergency co-host. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm but off he would to just leave the land of ice and fire. So you're, you're solo. This is for a few days. I feel like this is the Brewers have just been waiting, and they're going to make a big trade, Andrew. Well, if the Brewers make a big trade, you will be getting solo content or me with Numak. I'll have to respond to it somehow. The only issue with having Numak on is I would be like navigated over to a baseball reference page and he'd just leave mid-sentence. And, uh, you know, I just wouldn't get to finish the episode. Look, we just need to get him when he's just had his sugar. That's that's what we've learned. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back if there is nothing out of the ordinary mid to late next week, a little bit, a little bit longer than a week. Um, we will have another playback coming for game three of the 2018 LDS against the Rockies. If you want to make sure you are on top of that, I would say follow us on Twitter. Um, about myself at Adam McGee 11, Andrew at AC Snide, and the Cruising for Bruising channel at Brewers GSPN. Even better, join the Discord and go to gspn.info and the link to join the Discord is in there. Um, you can get in and chat brewers all the time with us and with plenty of other listeners. And just in the regular episode to episode, if you've got thoughts on anything that comes up, you wanna you wanna let us know what you think, we wanna hear from you. Go to joinrepod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. Repod is a platform you can listen to all of your favorite podcasts. You subscribe, follow there. You'll get every new episode dropped straight in, but you can also check out the Cruising for a Bruising Room and you can let us hear what's on your mind, what you think of the conversation we've been having. If you agree, disagree, if you have any extra thoughts, if you think there's something that we should uh, keep in mind or bring up in the future, that's the spot to go and do it. We're there. We're waiting to talk with all of you. Join repod.com forward slash Cruising for a Bruising. 
as Andrew said, Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, your home for all things Milwaukee books. Your books trade deadline coverage will be covered there over the next few days. Talk of the Tundra, home to all things Green Bay Packers. Dumac and Jordan are refusing to cover the really pressing events, but I believe they are going to have some grades content looking back on the Packers season very soon. And... On that note, uh, I think we should let the listeners know why the podcast is going to be a little bit later next week. You're actually locking yourself in a dark room uh, for the sure. better part of a week. So uh, you won't get that coverage on Talk of the Tundra, but you'll get it here. I make time for this. Our podcast for movies, pop culture. We have an episode dropping today, up oh, by the time you listen to this, on The Quiet Girl, an Irish film that I've been talking about on that pod for a while that was nominated for an Oscar recently. And next week, we'll be talking about Knock at the Cabin and the films of M. Night Shyamalan. If that sounds like the kind of things that you might be interested in. Broad range that that is. Broad range that's uh, reflective of the kind of things we talk about on Make Time for This. Make sure you go subscribe, check it out, give us a listen. That does it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com